Hello and welcome to our first podcast in the series around smart buildings. I'm Kaz Mohammed, the Vice President for Digital Energy at Schneider Electric. And today we'll be looking at the importance of the workplace and the decisions needed in terms of how it will work going forward. I'm delighted to be joined by Jeremy Myerson, who is the Director of WorkTech Academy, which is a global knowledge network for the future of work and the future of workplace. Jeremy is also a professor at the Helen Hamlin Centre for Design at the Royal College of Art. Hi there, Jeremy, and thank you for joining us today. It's a great pleasure. Nice to be here. So let's kick things off then. Um, firstly, where do you see the, the main shifts and trends around the office and, and the workplace going forward? Well, I think we've had a major disruption to the whole global system of work. And I can't underestimate uh, how seismic that shift has been. We've had workforces which were largely office-based being forced to work from home and being away from the office. And of course, now we're in a process, and it varies from country to country, but um, we're in a process of going back to the workplace, but we're not going to go back to the workplace um, in the same way. We're not gonna snap back into the model we had before. We're entering a new model and the contours of that model are not yet defined, but I think we can say that there's going to be a hybrid approach, a blended approach in which some people will continue to work at least some of the week from home or in other spaces and in some of the week uh, in, the, in the major uh, office building. So that is a big shift and it has all kinds of implications for how offices are designed, how they're managed and how they're run. I guess one of the questions being asked at the moment um, by, by many companies and, and businesses is, you know, with us all going and working from home for several months, we've all seen the possibilities in that. Do we still need the workplace going forward? I think we do. And if you look at global surveys of uh, employee opinion, uh, there have been some very big tracking surveys done by companies such as Gallup, uh, Gensler, IBM Institute of Work, and they all come to roughly the same conclusion. Um, people are missing the office. They want to go back to the office. They miss interaction with colleagues. There are certain tasks which are very difficult to do over uh, uh, digital tools, um, but they don't want to go back to the office full time. Um, they want to have some of the freedom and autonomy that they have discovered during working from home. And they don't want to go back to the office in the way it was, a dumb container for work, um, which just accommodated uh, daily attendance, a regular, predictable occupation of the office building. What we're going to see is offices kind of morph into much smarter entities, which are going to manage occupation, fluctuation, uh, shifts in demand, a much more uh, complex pattern of working. And so offices are going to have to work a lot harder. And that's why we really need to rethink the technical infrastructure around offices to accommodate this shift. Okay, okay. Interesting. So let's let's stick with that for a second then, Jeremy. So this, I guess this this shift in the offices becoming more kind of tailored around the demand aspect. What do you feel are the, are the kind of significant changes in design and technology? 
that are going to be needed in order to accommodate that that demand-based type approach? Well, the office used to be um, the container for work, the main channel for work. And there's even a term for it, presenteeism. Um, You were present in the office in order to access colleagues, knowledge, resources, networks. And of course, with the massive acceleration of remote and flexible working using digital technology, um, we have seen that organizations uh, can not just survive, but they can also flourish over digital channels. So we're entering a hybrid uh, model, as I said, but the office is still critically important for a number of things. And this tends to be higher value interpersonal work. So this is training, this is mentoring, this is innovation activity where people are coming together to generate ideas and share and build on each other's um, concepts. And this is quite hard to do uh, over purely uh, remote channels. And so the office, I think, is going to become a destination that people choose to go there for specific activities. They may not attend on a daily basis by rote, And we're going to see an end, I think, to large spaces with people at serried ranks of desks with headphones on sending emails. You know, they can do that at home or they can do that in a cafe or a co-working space. When they come to the office, there's going to be a heightened experience, a better experience. They're going to come for specific face-to-face activities to do with building culture, uh, generating um, uh, social capital and also stimulating innovation and collaboration. So they will come for a specific reason to the office. So the office has got to flex and change. The office has got to anticipate um, who's coming into the building. So there's got to be uh, data analytics. We have to collect data on occupation. Uh, We have to uh, understand that there may be at some points of the day and the week quite low levels of occupation of the building um, because these innovation or learning events aren't going on. Um, So you might want to shut off parts of the building and and, um, reduce the energy costs in that area, direct people into different spaces. At levels of high demand, you need to control who's coming in and who's coming out and and make sure that uh, spaces aren't too densely occupied in terms of of uh, breaching um, social distancing protocols. There's a whole raft of considerations. If we're gonna bring people back to the office, they've got to be not just physically safe, but psychologically safe. So I think what's going to happen are the trends that we've seen during the pandemic. From a design point of view, it's going upstream. It's creating uh, not a basic environment for people to sit at desks, but 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 developing spaces and settings which support human interaction, because that's why you're going to the office. So we're going to see offices begin to look more like hotel lobbies. They're going to take more of the language of retail and hospitality. Um, and on a technology point of view, we cannot have these dumb containers. We've got to have smart infrastructure. The building has got to be alive and alert to the levels of occupation. So I think there will be a lot of data feedback. Um, uh, There will be 
live digital dashboards, not just for the facilities team, but I've, I've already seen it around the world, live digital dashboards on occupation and energy use and, you know, you know, um, queues in the cafeteria and so on, giving live data to the workforce itself, also real-time information on, 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 on transport. So I think there are big changes ahead. It's very exciting. Finally, you know, the smart building, which has been slowly taking shape over a kind of 15-year window, um, is suddenly coming into focus. And it's quite an exciting time for those organisations which can grasp the opportunities. I think you're making me want to get back into the office now uh, with all of that talk about hotel lobbies and smart data and smart interaction with the building. So, I mean, look, I, I guess the probably one of the, the things our customers and our, you know, the companies out there that are building buildings are going to be thinking about is we're talking there about a lot of change in terms of the technology and moving from this dumb to this smart approach with lots of data, as you say, lots of flexibility, demand-based type technologies, um, technology which is going to be proactive in understanding how a building is going to be used and then actually interacting with the occupants. And I think you talk there as well about the need for the space around collaboration, psychological safety, the social capital, which you know we, we've all missed over the last sort of 12 months or so. Um, I guess one of the questions from our customers will be around, they've got an existing building stock that might not be necessarily in that smart space and there's a significant shift there. Is this something just for new buildings or should we be really examining our existing buildings as well? I think that it's not feasible to um, have a year zero approach to our office buildings. I mean, there are office buildings from kind of every decade. Um, We know that some... Uh, office buildings you know I mean you go back to Victorian buildings they were actually very flexible and and they've been adaptable to all new forms of of work in the digital era Uh, whereas more recent buildings from the 60s you know or or even the 80s um, have swiftly become obsolete but I think that we need to create new buildings, and and I think that's happening around the world. There is a wave of of new headquarters buildings, mainly driven by tech companies like Amazon and Apple and Facebook and so on. Um, And they're they're reinvigorating the idea of the headquarters building as a hub for culture and social capital. Um, But we also need to retrofit. We also need to find ways to put a digital infrastructure into existing buildings. And I know that is difficult, um, and, but, but to have kind of uh, a modular, scalable uh, digital infrastructure, I think it's very, very important. And, you know, once we get beyond the uh, coronavirus crisis and the, the whole public health pandemic, and and all the ramifications of bringing people back into office buildings. Sitting right behind that is is the much bigger issue of climate change and the climate crisis. And so controlling energy costs um, is absolutely critical for companies. And not just from a bottom line point of view, but from a corporate responsibility point of view, where they've got to recruit staff and, and Prospective employees will expect high standards of of, uh, environmental control. 
um, they will expect responsible citizenship from the companies they're going to work for. So I think if you're a corporate real estate director, you've got a lot in your inbox. <laughs> um, you've got a lot to think about. Um, but, but I think now the impetus is with these technologies. I don't think that impetus is going to slacken. I think it's, it, it, it's going to play out. And how it plays out depends on the, on the, on the vision and courage of the companies who are going to implement them. Absolutely. And, and, and what, what would you say, is there any tips of, with all of that long list of things to tackle for, for these corporate CEOs and, and building owners, I think, you know, is there a place that you, you recommend start here and, 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 and kind of continue from that journey onwards? Well, I think that on, at the most basic level, I think in a world of more complex patterns of, of working, uh, I mean, before the pandemic, you know, there were lots of full-time employees who would come in every day to the office building. So you could predict all kinds of things from, from the level of catering you needed to the level of energy you were going to use. Um, you'd know that on Fridays, there would probably be sparser occupation and, and so on and so forth. I mean, remote and flexible work has been around for a while. Um, it's just that companies were, were nervous about implementing it on a larger scale until they were forced to. And they realized the world didn't end. The organization didn't fall over a cliff. Um, I think at the most basic level, I think companies should be, be understanding how their buildings are being used and understanding what energy is being used. So collecting data around that, sensors are in the, in the environment. There are a lot of ways in which you can collect data with location beacons and sensors and, and that type of technology, um, which is quite simple to implement. And therefore you begin to understand the patterns of, of occupation and you can begin to plan. And this is all about resilience really in terms of making the organization more resilient. Um, it's also being able to um, uh, create an environment which reflects the preferences of its occupants. And it's about creating a better, more human-centric experience. So I think data collection and sensors is, is a baseline. Another baseline is, is the use of workplace apps. We're seeing this in organizations around the world um, where we're suddenly pivoting um, away from the desktop, through the laptop, to the mobile phone, to the smartphone. Um, this mobile first approach is very, very interesting and important from, from you know, from, from uh, security and, and reception management and entry to the building, through to ordering your coffee, through to finding out which of your team members are in the, on that day and on which floor they might be. And I think a lot of people will, will, will use their smartphone as a proxy for their own presence in the organizations. They'll plan their day over an app before they actually show up in the office. So I think there's, there's, there's for organizations, uh, data collection and, and um, an app-centric approach are two of the things one can do. And then kind of, you know, the software and systems architecture that will allow you to um, really understand patterns of behavior and what that means in terms of workflow, 
what that means in terms of, of the use of resources. Um, and, and these systems have all got to link together. So, you know, this kind of free address of the office building, of high density, high occupancy, that will change. There will be much more room booking systems, much more desk booking systems, much more curating a face-to-face -face interaction between team members on a, on a particular day and ordering the food to go with that. And companies are thinking very hard now about amenities. People are talking about a health-inducing workplace. Um, so that, 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 you know, we're going beyond simply keeping people from harm. We're actually trying to create a, create a workplace in which people leave the workplace healthier than they came in. So that might involve, it might involve nutrition, it might involve uh, um, uh, um, uh, mental health support. Uh, um, I think what we're moving away from is the kind of trophy assets that you real estate assets that you saw before the pandemic investing in in high-end 24-hour gyms and that kind of thing i think that's going to shift from from place into a people-centric service-based approach around supporting mental health around yoga and meditation and online resources you know in the states they call it hr on the go um, and you know, I think we're beginning to see we're, we're just on the foothills uh, um, of of a shift away from uh, the office as a fixed place that 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 is the is the, is the is the prime channel of work to the office as a very important, in fact, critically important channel of work, but one that is flexible and dynamic and interacting with other forms of, of work, whether it's at home, in a co-working space, or at a client site. I know banks in Europe are looking at mobile branches uh, that they, you know, that they, they bring to particular uh, events. Um, and there's a parallel here with, uh, um, it's called omni-channel working. And the term deliberately echoes um, omnichannel retailing. So retailers, bricks and mortar retailers, um, were faced, you know, as soon as the internet and the mobile phone was invented, you know, they, they developed a new channel. They developed online retail. And, and, you know, there are many channels through which to shop, you know, click and collect, direct sales, go to a store, buy online. Um, and, you know, but the customer, you know, if you're buying a big brand, you just get one seamless experience. And now companies are talking about, you know, could we introduce, and, and this is an idea which has been particularly being pioneered in Australia, um, could we have omnichannel working where there's a standard digital infrastructure, you know, workers can draw down their own private desktop from the cloud and work wherever they are. Um, uh, in whatever space but when they come into the office building they're going to want something special they're going to be in that office building out of choice for a particular set of activities and whether it's team building or innovation and when they come in they're going to want really good ambient temperature really good lighting with lots of daylighting they want they're going to want fresh air 
they're going to want great food. You know, they may not be there all day, um, but the office has got to do something new. And um, so, so design standards are going to are going to rise, and and technology curation of the experience is going to become more important as well. So I think I, 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 I'm getting from that, that seamless experience is probably a really good way to describe when people are talking about the hybrid of work between working from home and working from the office. It really does need to be that seamless experience and not just from an IT systems point of view, but that building environment, how you book a room, what it feels like when you go into the office and, and how it feels like working from home as well. And I think really good uh, insights in terms of where the possibilities are around healthy buildings and where that could take us going forward and that kind of human-centric approach. So, so I really like that as well. Jeremy, is there, is there anything else from yourself that you see in terms of where the buildings could go to in the future um, and just kind of any final thoughts really from yourself? Well, there's been a lot of debate in the media about offices being... Um, uh, extinct and a lot of talk about companies radically cutting back their real estate portfolio. I think on this, I feel there's going to be some contraction, um, but that will be offset by greater investments in existing stock. Or companies may trade some old stock which can't be adapted to the new world of work and invest heavily in. In, in, in new uh, uh, real estate, which is smarter, which is more intelligent. Um, uh, but I think that the office remains incredibly important. There was a honeymoon um, uh, in the first months of the pandemic where people who'd had years of long commutes and not very good office environments, pretty dumb spaces, um, they enjoyed the freedom and flexibility of working from home. Uh, not all, and particularly younger cohorts, the honeymoon wore off very, very quickly. And if you look at various surveys, you can see that mental health issues um, were more prevalent amongst uh, younger workers. Um, but gradually, the luster has worn thin on the great remote work experiment for everybody, and people are itching to get back to the workplace. But as I said, not every day, and not back to the same old office uh, that we have known in the past. So we're gonna see more unpredictable and random interaction with a better office, one that is more responsive to human need and one that is more resilient to the organization. Fantastic. Thank you, Jeremy. So thank you for listening today. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button and I look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Thank you.